This episode was recorded before the SAG after strike. Ready graphics? Ready theme? I'm Jesse Mullins. And I'm Lauren Milberger. And this is FYI, the Murphy Brown podcast. They are messy people and they do not think they are messy. Exactly. Oh, no. They think they're very put together. That's what this whole episode is about. Is Tony mm-hmm. Rocket is messy, openly messy, openly offensive. And that makes them all uncomfortable. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about season three, episode two, Brown and Blue. Hey, everyone. Happy Thursday. Oh, my God. It's a Thursday. Why are we here on a Thursday? We look different. We feel different. It's a it's a whole new era for us for this one week. Yes, this one (laughs) week. (laughs) This is part two of us discussing the episode Brown and Blue with Tarek. We had so much fun in the first part that we I think we knew while recording that episode that it was going to be two parts. So we're super glad that you're back to join us. We have more to say, more to laugh about, more to break down. And just a little business, brown and blue. Also, blue in the brown and blue has a double meaning. Bruised, obviously blue, but also blue material, which is how off-color material was referred to um, many moons ago and sometimes still today, but I think not as much today. Some housekeeping. We didn't get a chance to mention that this episode aired September 24th, 1990, and it was written by Cy Duquesne and Denise Moss. Denise Moss has been a previous guest on the show, and we have actually talked about this episode with her briefly. So there'll be a link in the show notes for you to listen to that interview with her. We loved talking to Denise. Also want to point out that Michael Chiklis loved working on this episode particularly. We have a clip of him talking about it, which we'll put on the social media. But he specifically said and pointed out Candace Bergen for being sort of a great head of the show, so to speak, that the way that she treated him and the crew really was a great example to him and how he then conducted himself on set for the future when he was the lead of a show. And we are excited for you to join us again. So have fun. Enjoy. We find ourselves after Murphy says she's fine. She's she's not a little girl. She's a big girl. And we open to her and the gang. They're in the viewing room, a room that we don't often see used. And they are saying varying versions of, oh, God, did he just say that? Oh, how could he say it? Doesn't this guy have a mother? Well, we do find out he does, actually. Uh, we They exit. Everyone's a little distressed. Jim wants to make up for his... Uh, very unpleasant morning by stapling his hand repeatedly. Corky apparently slapped Frank as a way to get out her frustration. Uh, Sweet Frank does get a kiss on the cheek. And Murphy declares there's no way she can do this interview. The only way she could deal with this creep is if she was wearing a radiation suit. And I have met this type of man and I also want the suit for it. Of course, at that time, Miles, the ever victorious producer, enters. Guess what? He got her Tony Rocket. At that moment, one of my favorite things that the gang does is all find a reason to leave at the exact same moment. I know that Jim hears a mystery phone in the background. Frank has to go sharpen something. Corky, I listened five times. I'm pretty sure Corky goes, and just leaves. (laughs) There are no words. She just joins and leaves. I have to say this particular section of the show, I took so many screen caps of Grant Shaw's face as Miles throughout this entire section as he's trying to understand why Murphy suddenly wants to back out of this interview. (laughs) Which, to be fair, Murphy's never backed out of an interview on him. In fact, she's forced interviews he doesn't want to cover. So he's correct in the hypocrisy he's about to call out. There is, however, 
a quote that I want to ask Lauren about our our resident. Is it the is it the uh, Yiddish jargon? It's the Yiddish. Uh, he in particular says that he hates to brag, but he pulled Tony Rocket right out from under the noses of 2020. Barbara Walters is steamed, uh, and he heard she called him a little pisher. Lauren. Yeah. So a pisher is a young, inexperienced person, of, but also as someone of no importance and nobody and nothing. Uh, the definition of miles, probably for most people, <laughs> would be a pisher. Now, a little pisher sounds redundant to me. But uh, yeah, so that is your, your, uh, your Yiddish definition for the day. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, Thank you. How, how, how frequently is pisher used these days? Does that get said? Have much? you been to any family events of mine? A lot. That's what I'm. I'm asking the person who's around the we, term. My family does not throw that around. I, I would definitely say that like Pisher uh, is on the level of schmuck. I was curious if it was a term that would land now. Oh, you mean like which is regular folks? No. So Murphy is horrified. How could he do that? How could he book someone without even checking? Says the woman who constantly brings in interviews without ever checking with with the producers. She says she spent three hours in that viewing room, so that's how much time we know has passed, and she feels assaulted. She says he's degrading, humanizing, repulsive. Miles cuts her off. I'm sorry, does she not want to do the interview? And she says, oh, you Harvard guys can't put anything over you. And he says he sees. Uh, well, if that's how she feels, he's not going to twist her arm. And Murphy walks away, going to go find something else. And Miles goes into a speech. So he says, no, wouldn't want to force that on you. Of course, he does think it's interesting. She is the one who said that they shouldn't hide from controversy. Seem to remember something about an egg dish, an omelet, he thinks it was. Yes, but what if we hear someone who's no longer acting like a journalist? Someone who's letting their personal feelings get in the way? Which, it is so rare that Miles mocks Murphy. Oh, yes. It is... I was scared because he him. knows that her, her, it'll get to her ego, and he's not going to get punched. It's incredible. He's a wonderful. He's he's such a great comic he's performer. So we always are sad that he didn't even like get an, any sort of you know accolades for it. But we give him tons. It's a great performance. We find out that because of how swiftly Miles got this get, um, he's actually on his way over right now for pre-interviews. Like Miles is working. He's cooking with gas right now, and he says, he says he has a feeling that this act of rockets is exactly that. An act. No one can be that offensive in real life. Well, lucky us. Ding. The elevator door opens. A swarm of women at like pile out in, in disgust and protestation. And a ponytailed, goateed, lemon yellow suited Michael Chiklis saunters in. This, the Lego man himself. The suits in this are so 90s that he, he wears. He loves a color block. Yeah. I, they didn't invoke... Andrew Dice Clay, they invoked early Steve Harvey. And I was like, why? Yeah, I think the colors are I don't, strong. No objections. I, I guess but they were trying to why? like be like, this isn't really Andrew Dice Clay, which is like literally mannerisms, literally cadence. Like it's Andrew Dice Clay. Mm -hmm. But I guess maybe putting him in the, the jacket would be too much. It's too much. Yeah. 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 He looks like Leno uh, or like anyone in the 90s, like who had like a late night show. It's a very strong yeah. look. It's confident. Very strong look. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I really would like to speak to the, I'd love to know what the costume department, what that conversation was. Yeah, it's like they, this, the blue one he has later. They're just all the same. They're the same yeah. suit in different colors. And then he's mm -hmm. wearing, Yeah. I will say though, the last suit he's wearing though, is like that crimson yeah. red, which is like, oh, are they real? Are they going there? Are they really like? They made the devil. Because it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, is, he is the devil. And I was just like, I was definitely feeling that. 
during that interview. I will say the the blue one I find interesting when we get to Phil's because he and Murphy are both in all blue suits in different shades. Oh, good point. Yeah. And it's very interesting watching them opposite each other. It looks like a true showdown. So a, a quick coverage of Tony Rocket's appearance in this room. He yells after the women who are disgusted. Uh, look, he didn't. it's not like he didn't offer to pay them for it. And then he sees the place and he says, whoa, look at chicks everywhere. What is it? Affirmative action week? Then, oh, look, there's a woman nearby. So he walks over to her and says, yo, babe, why don't you make yourself useful? Black, two sugars, and walk slowly so I can enjoy it. She grimaces, I think throws a paperclip at him. Uh, his react is to pretend he's miffed. He's clearly not because he's getting exactly the response he wants. Saunters over to a man, says, women, the worst thing we ever, when men ever did to ourselves was invent the self-cleaning oven. Uh, and then, no, there's no relief for us, for yet another woman exists in the space and is in the crosshairs. And this is when the Duchess arrives. She's just, as you said in your story, just trying to enter the room and cross it. And he says, hey, you Duchess, you'll love this one. You know why God invented breasts? So there'd be some place to hold the beer can. I don't even get that joke. I don't. Yeah, it just yeah. it's just like to it's like he just said it to b make her pissed yeah, at him. I don't even. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't get I that don't one. Do yeah. Joke. I'm more offended because I'm like, it just, what do you, you know, I think it's hard, right? Like, how do you show a highly offensive comedian right. on primetime television at nine o'clock on CBS in 1990? You can't. Although Michael Chiklis is giving it his all. He is. Oh, he's. But I will say, as someone, without getting too into my own physique, uh, as a as a bustier person, I, I have been aware, especially in corsetry, of the, the shelf-like capabilities of, of that part of the anatomy and uh, the way that some men like to talk about them. See, I'm not the only one bringing expertise to the game. Yeah. <laughs> She's worn a lot of corsets at the Ren Fair. Well, we've had characters on the show before, like the King of Trash TV, mm -hmm. who like the whole thing is mm -hmm. they love to watch people get pissed. And that's like Twitter, yeah. right? Like some people just get off on being able to make people uncomfortable and upset. And I think he's quick enough. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I would say the, the huge impetus of this current conservative movement, far right movement we're living in is is, hey, I want to see how how those snowflakes feel when I say this. Yeah. I, wanna, I want them mm -hmm. to suffer, which is a yeah. fascinating thing. From the thing most to, sensitive yeah. people in the world. It's a fascinating <laughs> thing to investigate. Like, why do you, you want to hurt me? Like, yeah. why? Yeah. And also, I think there's something about even if you look at the woman, the way this woman is costumed, she is very classy and posh and put together. And that is just the lowest brow reference to a woman you could make. Yeah. She literally walked from the set of Designing Woman onto the set of Murphy yes! Brown. Her hair is incredible. The scar. I think she's oh, got I a. She's got a. She's got a scarf yeah. going. The the shoulder pads, mm -hmm. the blazer. She's got these great earrings. Uh, yeah. She dressed like she, all the teachers I had crushes cut. on back when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> she's great. And Frank intervenes finally, and he makes a really good point. He says his brand of sexist oppression behind comedy. It's still oppression. And Frank doesn't like it. And that's when the Duchess has her, oh, thank you, Frank. Frank is so humble. He's always been sensitive to women's issues. I do not want to excuse the gross misogyny of lis listening to someone else's phone call, private phone call at the mm -hmm. beginning of the episode. But I will say, as uh, a man who grew up with, you know, my father, my older brother, but I had five uncles who were very dashing, attractive men of that generation. And... The game was peak because there was no social media. 
and mm. you had you had to have an approach. And mm-hmm. I will say the Davis men, they the game was peak. Men of that era, the game <laughs> was peak. They had uh-huh. an approach. And like I a lot of fellows today could just learn something from like, yo man, have an approach. You don't have to be an asshole. Like mm-hmm. the game was peak back then. Yeah. And that's the thing about Frank that we always get frustrated with is that Frank has game when he stops trying to have game. Yeah. That's that that's is the, thing. the game. It's putting on an act. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's so neurotic. It's, it's a Jedi <laughs> mind thing. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know, there is no spoon. And that's how you can bend it. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know why I just thought of. Yeah, no, I don't know. I just thought of Sassy and Homeward Bound saying she doesn't want the shrimp. Right. (laughs) Just act like you don't want it. I haven't seen that in forever. Every Uh, sitcom in the 80s and 90s, whether it was Golden Girls, like characters were just getting it on. And it was because the game was peak. Frank, with said game, exits with the Duchess. And we're left with Miles, who introduces himself reintroduces himself. He is called for the first of several, miscalled instead of Silverberg. He is referred to as Silverstein. Like there's a difference. Makes me So gross. And we then have the first showdown of Rocket and Brown. My favorite thing is that she's a little bit taller than him. Oh, good Just a little bit. And it feels so good. And she just, as he's talking to her and says... It's about his charisma. Doesn't she feel it? Murphy Brown looks like she's going to eat his heart like a lioness. And she's just looking slightly down at him. She says, let's get it straight from the top. Going to be spending a lot of time together. She needs the background information for a fair and in-depth interview. Let's all, let's go get started. And his response is, ow, hurt me. He walks away. And what does she call Miles? A little pisher. And then we move to Phil's. I think we're supposed to assume it's been like three or four days later, which is always weird because it was mm-hmm. definitely Thursday <laughs> FaceTime when we know the show is in the last scene. But OK, <laughs> he's they've been spending mm-hmm. uh, Rocket and Murphy have been spending uh, several days together in this pre-interview. We hear protesters outside Phil's. They're not very happy with Murphy. Uh, and the gang is pretty much kind of talking how upset they are. Uh, I believe uh, Jesse Jim says that he that Rocket really steams his cookies. I figured you'd appreciate that. Yeah, he does. You love Jim. I love Jim. Um, Miles is very excited about, you know, how much the network is promoting. Promoting the show because again ratings as we we spoken about, and then Tony and Murphy, Murphy arrive. We hear the protesters. Murphy tries to reason with them, you know that she needs to you know do this as a journalist, and she gets pelted with a tomato, and she does not look very happy. Uh, oh, I should also mention she that, that to- Tony Rocket refers to the protesters as having big butts because you know that's that's an easy joke, and so we're sitting down and they have pretty much like a back and forth where um, he is nothing but mocking. He's not giving anything real. She's trying to find out about his, you know, his family, if he's ever had a serious relationship, and all he wants to do is make sexual jokes about G.I. Joe and Barbie, making Ken watch them have sex. So Jim comes over and uh, and just needs to let Rocket know uh, what he finds funny, and we get some really interesting references. We get Ernie Kovacs, we get Bob Newhart, who we've talked about, Rowan and Martin. Oh, and this is not the Smothers Brothers. He mentions the Smothers Brothers before, which is interesting because, you yeah. know, they were taken off the air because they wanted to actually also for tell Sonny the truth and for Sonny and Cher. I wish we had more time to talk about the Smothers Brothers because I learned a lot of that from my dad. But people should definitely They're look so them up because they tried to tell the truth and they were taken off the air. 
They were what smothered? They were smothered. Oh, they were hey. smothered. Very good. Hey, here are we. Uh, and Steve Martin was a, an nice. early writer on The Smothers Brothers, if people mm -hmm. don't know. We love Steve Martin. Uh, so pretty much the crux of this scene is that Tony Rocket propositions Murphy that the reason she's so pissed is that she just needs the two of them to launch the rocket a few times. And she does the most sitcom-y thing in sitcoms <laughs> of 90s sitcoms, which there's not a lot of physical humor, at least in the first four seasons of the show. They do it occasionally, but this is like yeah. straight on. She tries to strangle him and everyone has to literally hold her back. It's mm -hmm. glorious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. I love it when actors have to make, have to like, all right, we got to make a commotion. Yeah. <laughs> and like, mm -hmm. you see some actors literally just making a commotion when they don't yeah. have to. It's just her attacking yeah. him. But like uh, Phil, the bar owner, he's still he's like yelling for no reason. Ah, ah, take her out of the back. Ah, ah. Like why? Why those? It's like they're creating like, background fuzz. Yeah. I mean, it could end up in the Tadler. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make Murphy look great. Maybe he's concerned for her. Right. I truly think if they brought her out the front, the down with brown chanters would have picked her up and taken them away herself. That is true. There's also themselves. that. Yeah. You know. What's also great is that then we end up in Murphy's office where she's just sitting sort of nicely at her desk and, you know, Miles comes in and they're all both very calm and he just doesn't think it should happen. You know, it just uh, it makes Murphy look bad. But Murphy feels that means that she, you know, has failed as a journalist and she really needs to do the interview to prove it to herself. And they both agree it's going to happen. And then she raises her hands to sort of punch the joke <laughs> and asks to be untied because she is literally tied with like a lot of ropes like not just one like like serious she's a strong lady amount of ropes to keep her down okay that was the moment of the show where i was just like wait what happened like what they had to like yeah they had to tie what? her up it makes i'm like that whole scene i'm watching no it, i'm like okay and i think like you know i'm i was playing it on my laptop and like i went to go get something to drink and then she was like, okay, can you untie me now? And I was like, wait, what did I, I started rewinding. I was like, what did I admit? What did this, did this skip? Like, how was any of that? Of, like, it, it's such a, Not yet. it goes from like, he, like that sitcom moment you brought up of like her attacking Michael Chiklis, uh, Tony Rocket. But then that's like Bugs Bunny, like, mm -hmm. like, wait, can you untie me now? Like yeah. Naked Gun, mm -hmm. Leslie Nielsen kind of like, what, what? Yeah, I'm like, what? Wait, Miles tied you? Like, he tied you up. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, what was that conversation? Get the ropes! <laughs> like, I like to imagine that Corky is the one who really knows how to tie up. Yeah, I'm like, like, where'd you get rope? Like, this whole thing just makes me, like, very, the, the whole office is now sus, to use the terms the kids say. It's very sus. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, and so now we're at the studio day. It's oh. time to interview Mr. Rocket. Speaking of uh, Miles in the previous scene, he say, makes a comment that he's 27 years old and living on Mylanta. So, of course, we cut to Miles shaking a now empty bottle of Mylanta in desperation that we are in the studio. Uh, I love I love anytime Murphy is costumed ready to at on the FYI stage. She's so fabulous. <laughs> like they just the the costume, the style of the era. It's a mane. Is, it's a mane. She oh, she's incredible. She's a lioness. She's got a mane. Yeah. It's, it's, oh. it's... This is the this is sort of the end of her like uh, perm hair that she had yeah. in season two. Where she's going to go in sort of more of a '90s slickness. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's so good. She's just oh, she's going to take them. And 
Miles is saying he has complete confidence in her. We all know Miles does not have complete confidence in her because the Myland is gone. Uh, Murphy had gone and reflected. She doesn't have to do anything. It's easy. He just has to open his mouth. Speaking of his mouth, he's currently hitting on the makeup girl. At that moment, our, our King Carl shows up. He wants to defend her womanhood. He, Carl again, capital N, nice guy. <laughs> um, calls Rocket the devil himself. Says no true man would treat a woman like this. Carl's always tries to find the pleasure spots in a woman's feet and massage them selflessly. <laughs> Carl. Carl's in love with Murphy, by the way. He's desperately in love with Murphy. And this is, I don't even know how many times we've watched him just cross a line in her defense. Yes. This is, this um, is him being actually a pretty good boy. Yeah. Sweet, yeah. sweet Carl. Considering yeah. what he said uh, we previously. Also, we find out that if her womanhood is sullied in any way, he'll be out. In his family, he's known for his speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I I thought about that line longer than I should have. Preachers <laughs> like, oh, no. for Carl, everybody. I was like, "What does that mean? Like, did you play? Like, was he an athlete? Yeah. Like, how fast did you run yeah. the forty? Like, I want to know the numbers." At that moment, Murphy says if she was ready to go. Rocket, looking slightly fearful of Murphy, stands up, calls for Goldberg. He refers to her as Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, over there. Says if she lays one finger on him, the network's turning into a parking lot. And Miles steps up for his spaghetti western moment and says that, well, actually, this network, is due to the possibility of the unpredictable language, they're airing it with a five-second delay. And Miles will be personally manning the censor button. And we get this great showdown of these two just average height men <laughs> saying, you think you're fast? Fast enough. If they, I just... Again, we've watched some camp in this episode already. The fact that there wasn't an ooh, 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 I'm shocked. Right. There's, there's no Fonz right. moment. I no. just, it should have happened. But it's in our I, hearts. Yeah. Well, if you go, if you keep descripting that scene, mm -hmm. I get upset that the moment I actually got upset was the button to that moment. The shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, then, yeah. Go ahead. And Miles loses any kind of, you know, yeah, like any kind of like, oh, all right, Miles will stand it up. I'm like, all right, I like this. And then like, wah, 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 like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, oh, I will say, on. to his credit, when he does actually need to use the the button in broadcast, he's on it. He is? He yes, is. he is. But, but when challenged, my, sweet Miles, he's grown so much in season one, is actually able to step up to Rocket and say this thing. The follow through is, uh, really weakens his stance in which Rocket says, so what if I say something like, shit, we watch Miles scramble, practically fall on the floor to get a foot behind himself. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful stage moment where to yeah. cross a foot, he goes, makes a full circle down stage and up yeah, because he's yeah. a brilliant physical comedian. Um, yeah. And by the time he gets to the button, shifting trends and morality are interesting, don't you think? Miles, our ever confident and secure uh, man screams out, nobody panic. He was just testing me, people. I'll get it next time. I'm in control. No, you're not, baby. Sweet baby boy. The broadcast starts. We find out Frank has undercover uh, to expose a car theft ring. Corky Sherwood Forrest, I'll never get sick of that joke, spends a week on the balance beam with Olga Corbett. Um, actually, sidebar, please go look up Olga Corbett. Fascinating human. And But we find out that the first thing we're going to do is that Murphy Brown is going to interview a man known to be explosive. He's known that by both his fans and detractors alike. We cut over to Murphy 
And I feel like this is the moment I knew something was wrong with Rocket because he looks so peaceful. And she says that his critics contend that his comedy, particularly offensive to women and minorities, is obscene and goes well beyond what is protected by the First Amendment. And this is when we learn something about Rocket. This is when we learn how smart he actually is. Because he says the first thing he wants to do, if she doesn't mind, is he wants to say hello to his mom in the hospital. Hi, Mama. He hopes she's well, gets better soon, come home. He loves I her. just want to add in real quick, yeah, because I, I, watching this and then finding something out after the fact about Andrew Dice Clay is that I think that this is a reference to the fact that when, when Clay was on SNL, which was a big thing because Nora Dunn refused to be on the show, Sinead O'Connor canceled. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize was it was the Mother's Day episode. And so a lot of people felt that because in his monologue he talks about that, and I didn't go to watch it because I have no interest in watching any of his stuff. No. I don't think I need to. That SNL was humanizing him, mm-hmm. which, of course, we've heard that before, right, with Trump. But also mm-hmm. through that, I found out that when Dice was on Arsenio, Arsenio, like, hugged him and was fine to have him on. One of the uh, musicians in the band, star, I hope I say his name right, Parodi, refused to be on the same stage with him. Yeah. Was like, yeah. no, this is wrong. We shouldn't do this. And then um, being on Arsenio... Andrew Dice Clay cried that mm-hmm. people were being too hard on him. Yeah. So hard. Big yeah. feelings. So I think this is a reference to that. Anyway. Yeah, no, no. No, it's great. It was such a moment. Such a mm-hmm. moment Andrew Dice Clay had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. A lot of the New York Times coverage that I found was a lot of like, yeah, he's sort of just like blew out. Like he's not really anything special. He's not funny. Mm-hmm. He's no. just sort of riding this sort of wave of uh, offending people. I mean, it's it's a thing we keep repeating. A lot of these people kind of explode. It's not due to anything extraordinary. It's uh, especially when it's offensive or you know, um, you know, the fallacy fallacy of male. <laughs> I was going to say the fallacy of phallus. But the, <laughs> I mean, uh, but you know, uh, along the same lines, that that fallacy has you know whether it be Andrew Dice Clay, Elon Musk, Trump, like. These strong man, it's that that armor is never real. Uh, yep. It's never real. And mm-hmm. the the bigger the blowout, the I assure you, the smaller the man behind that armor. Take that oh, yeah. however you want. So fragile. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what's happening here with Rocket. He's suddenly very reasonable, soft spoken, even so so respectful and. He says that, you know, he respects his critics, but the numbers speak for themselves. Obviously, the people attending his sold-out Astrodome performances don't think he's obscene. They think he's bringing laughter in some very troubled times. You see, Murphy is... This has not shown up at any point for Murphy. She is not prepared for this because it's reasonable. And she was not prepared for reasonable. We even heard her say, all he has to do is open his mouth. This actually needs work. Which is where, yeah, her journalist fails her. You can poke holes. She doesn't know how to poke the holes. No, she straight up just attacks the dude. Mm-hmm. Like She said, yeah. The best thing to do would have just let him continue on. Like, mm-hmm. just yeah. let him continue mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Like, there were no, like, play clips of his stand-up. Like, there's so many Read moments. Read his quotes. Right. There's so many moments that, like, oh, if you just played into what he was doing. But mm-hmm. she literally, she's like, I can't do this. And, like... Mm-hmm. And then editorializes, like, stands up for the camera, and I'm like, okay, but I don't think the point you're making actually demolishes him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Than what, She's soapboxing. Yeah, if you yeah, just did your job. 
She makes one attempt. She says that he makes the female gender sound like a kicking post for the male ego. How does he defend that? And he has the perfect defense, which is Miles's original hope and thesis statement that he can't deny he's made the statements. It's just an act. He thinks of himself as an actor and the character he plays is a sexist jerk. His girlfriend understands it. His grandmother understands it. With all due respect, the only person who doesn't seem to understand it is her. And that yeah. is what sets her off. Yeah, the she commits the biggest uh, journalist faux pas, in my opinion, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is what I see uh, called the Chuck Todd syndrome. And it's oh, just yeah. the follow-up. You just, mm -hmm. the follow-up question. Like, yeah. if I always have the follow-up question, and she just is like, I'm throwing these cards out. I'm like, no, nah, yeah. hit them with the follow-up. Use me yep. as an example. Great. All right. Why should I like you? If I, like, yeah. if I don't get it, why? what is there to get? Yeah, Use explain me. It. I explain almost it. wonder if his targets weren't her, if she could be more objective. I right? think so. That, yeah. like, she's bringing her emotions into it. Which is something that, as the show goes on, Murphy has to deal with the fact that that is a problem. You know, not not mm -hmm. she's she's gone away with the alcohol and the cigarettes, but she still has an ego problem. She still has a uh, anger problem. She still has a problem with herself and the way that she uh, emotionally reacts to things. Well, and I think something that this challenges is the fact that Murphy came into this and very often comes into things incredibly yes. righteous. She's she is the person who at some point will say something along the lines of like, we're the good ones, you know, like she she came in fully righteous and now it's being turned back to her reasonably. Right. And she doesn't know how to hold her righteous stance opposite this person who's giving her something reasonable. Yeah. And what she does, which is, a you know, if I was her friend, I'd be like, yes, girl, get him. But if I was somebody looking for the larger goal of this interview, you start seeing just warning, warning, because she says she knows what an act is, and this is the act, which immediately makes it makes her look like the crazy one. Yeah. And she yeah. says what they taught her in school was that journalists are supposed to be objective. And he says, well, it seems like you already made up your mind about me. Wouldn't have expected that from a reporter of her ability and reputation. Again, going after her ego, going after mm -hmm. her righteousness. Yeah. He's She's smart. like, mm-hmm. And she says sometimes they can't be. Sometimes... They have to do things they're not supposed to do, like now. And Miles says a, a full out loud, oh no. She steps to camera. She says she has to break the rules, and this is where she lo loses it, because she feels like it. And that's when I was like, oh girl, oh no. Just imagine if, yeah, if she asked the question like, has anyone ever offended you? Mm. Or she just asked the question like, who hurt you? Who yeah. hurt you, like, Tony? Like... Mm -hmm. Like, why'd you Ask choose the name Rocket? We know that's not your last name. No. Like, your last name is, like, you know, P-Spittle or something like that. I don't mm -hmm. know. But, like, what? Who hurt you? The worst thing that could happen to this man is for him to become the punchline. Right. So, yeah. like, start start asking him about his mom is in the hospital. Ask him about things that make him look sensitive that his fans would hate. Yeah. It's Like, just wild. ride this story. And here's the thing. The, you know, the... The baby feminist in me loves her speech. But I think in the, if this was real world, I'd be so frustrated because we're losing. It, it's like, you know, being a Democrat, watching these like big empty speeches happen while we're watching another side like unify its base so easily. It's like, OK, great. But we're still not getting yeah. anything done. 
But right. I think what's also and, great is yeah. that in the next scene, you know, she knows what she did was wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like, she, oh, she knows she, at the maybe, end. Of maybe the not. Scene. She doesn't get the full extent of what she did was wrong, mm-hmm. but she does. She's it's not true. happy with herself yeah. for what she did. I mean, the reality of it is, is that in the sitcom that we are in, she wins. Yeah. Like yes. we're lucky because in this in this sitcom this speech works. It's called right. Murphy Brown. Yeah. It's Murphy Brown. She she wins. It's an aha. It's a get it girl moment, and we love yeah. it. We get to love it. But when we when we pull it out of this framework, we realize that like in in our world it wouldn't work. It reminds me of all of the all of the female or just non cis male identifying journalists that tried to interview Trump at any given point. Right. All of them going up against this and trying to hold the line, and not let the offense belittle them because that's the thing is like all they have all someone like either of these two men has to do is just sit there and let the person interviewing them get upset and then they win yeah and she does and luckily because it's murphy brown and because we get to live in this like this soapbox that wins world we get to hear this great speech which is that what she says is don't be fooled by this man he is hateful arrogant degrading and offensive and as much as i disagree with what he says i will always defend his right to say it Quote, freedom of speech is one of the most important freedoms we have. And if we're going to protect it, we have to take a good, we have to take the good with the bad. And she says, anyone who would choose human degradation as a way to find fame should take a long, good look in the mirror. And so should those of you who cheer him, which is where I was like, Andrew Tate. She sits and she says one last thing. And this is where I get really happy because I'm like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna throw journalism out the window, please say this line, which is without his cheap shots and four letter words, could he cut it? I don't think so. And this is where he breaks. Yeah. She says he's guilty of the worst sin of all. He's just not funny. And that's when she gets him where he hurts. Yeah. And that's what that's yeah, where she that's should it. have been. Yeah. That's where she should she he's should have gone funny. for his ego. It's, and it's, he says, yeah. yeah. Start there. Start there, Murphy Brown. Yeah. Just be like, you're not funny. That's all it took to break. It him. would have been so great. Of like, hey, I got this joke from this joke book. Can you just say for the camera to say this joke? That's yeah. a straight joke. No curses, yeah. no yeah. innuendo. Yeah. Just a straight knock knock joke. Then yeah. like then like cut him up. But anyway. To the point of a follow up question. To the point of the follow up question is the okay, great, this is just an act. You're an actor. Okay, now show us how you act without that. Give us give us a joke that doesn't use that act because you're you you've said you're more than that. Show us a different act. Bingo. But what you I have can't. to say is what I do love about what happens next is that even though Murphy is bleeped and we don't know what she said, which had to have been a lot because it's a long bleep. It's not just one oh, word. Sure it's is. a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff. Is the look in Michael Chiklis's eyes where he just like is like <laughs> totally shocked at like that someone like her would say something like that. Like if Barbara Walters just started like mm-hmm. talking all of this, you know, horrible stuff at you. And I, I appreciate that they let us know that whatever she said was really awful just based on oh, yeah. his reaction well his response is to say like he's always said and immediately the voice goes back to tony rocket he says never give a woman the floor unless she's got her back flat against it to which murphy starts to say oh kiss my and luckily miles who is ready and has control hits that bleep button and we just watch her drag on through whatever she's saying which i do want to say in the next scene eldon says he knows what she said Right. So I maybe he does. Maybe the broadcast wasn't that good. No, he's like you. He he says like I didn't know you could talk like that. Like he's so into the specific well, stuff that she said. Didn't people say that when the Tonys got bleeped, that the closed mm-hmm. caption kept what they said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wow. maybe it's something like that. 
I think yeah. so. Or maybe some just didn't. Because it's a live, I don't know it's a the, live the tech show, of the right? Censor button. Yeah, it's a he, live show. Yeah. It's a live show. He reads lips. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah. Like, but he I knows. Know. He what knows. did she say outside of kiss my ass? I know. Like, that's the thing. I can't figure out what. I need to go back ass. to slip read for a while. Yeah. You, like, I guess he elaborated on what he was. But even yeah. then, like. Yeah, Whatever he does, it terrifies him. And yeah. she she ends, sits. You see on her face, she knows that she lost some high ground, even if she won. And just a back to you, Jim. And then we're back at Murphy's townhouse and we have the protesters again. But instead of down with Brown, they're saying up with Brown. And again, Murphy is trying to explain to them that she stooped and uh, they really don't care. They, they scream stoop, stoop, stoop. So stoop, Murphy is, stoop, is just had it. <laughs> she comes in, throws herself on the couch like I'm sure we all would. And Eldon, as we've alluded to, comes in that he caught her on TV for the first time. And Eldon has famously on the show said he doesn't watch television. He doesn't know how famous she is. But this is, of course, the one show that he watches looking for the Yankee woodworker. And he goes, what a mouth. Murphy is mortified (laughs) of the whole thing. There's a whole speech about how, you know, it, it was wrong. It's not a good journalism, but oh, it felt so good. Which a lot of us, very sort of human. Um, and uh, and then Eldon has this really great sort of speech about being an artist and how, you know, it's there's sort of that that line where, you know, you don't know how to um, uh, bat. You know, I should have written it down. I didn't write down what he said. But it's it's just him as an artist and how he feels about censorship. I think I remember what he said. Something about how can we, like, art is supposed to prov- uh, provoke us out of the mundane. There you go. Um, like how do you know how uh, something like along those lines? Like Eldon is hella poetic. He really poetic. is, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to assume that he's referring to what has happened in the episode. Yeah. Really, it's because he's painted another mural this right. time in the hallway of her kitchen, and uh, it's not yeah. it's not something that uh, she will be happy with. I have a question. Again, Please. you are the experts in Murphy Brown. I am yeah. a tourist. Does mm-hmm. he live there? No. He doesn't, but he's, he is there all he's the just time. always there. The original concept of Eldon for her was that he was repainting her kitchen and he was supposed to be gone by the time she got back from Betty Ford. Yeah. And he's never left and he just keeps painting murals. Because he's repainting the kitchen? I say mm. in quotation marks. Well, it's always a different room. It's like she always yeah. finds a he's reason. He's done the living room. For him to do something. And then while he's doing the other stuff. They're in a relationship, right? It's not sexually, but they are in yeah. a relationship. Absolutely. They are life mates you of sure a form. Not, you sure not sexually? Like I, I, as a child, I genuinely thought I mean, they the were. show says that they wouldn't. I would, I would say that they are life partners in every mm-hmm. aspect but that because they end up raising her child together. Yeah, I get the most codependent sibling vibe from them. Okay, all right, I can buy, I mean, I just, I mean, you know, I had my aunts who had their special friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and so, yep. uh, of varying genders, mm-hmm. so... If I met Elgin, he's like, oh, he's a special friend. I know what that means when I was of a certain age. Like, I've always gotten, like, annoying younger brother with her. So, And I say this solely because Murphy Brown and something I love about her being a woman in her 40s uh, that we didn't see very often is a very, um, she has a lot of prowess. 
And she doesn't lack for partners when she wants them. No, she doesn't. But my man is always there. He does propose to her in the finale. He does try. Which is only because the actor was like, I'll only come back if you let me do this. So even he was like, this is getting weird. It's mm-hmm. weird. It's I'm like, yeah, because I'm like, wait, what time of day is this? She's coming home. It's late at night. Like this. Yeah, is he's always there. They're codependent regardless. So either he's coming up yeah. with an excuse yeah. or she's coming up with an excuse. And then while he's like either painting the bedroom or fixing a cabinet, he's also doing these elaborate <laughs> political uh, social. <laughs> he loves doing like the Industrial Revolution murals. Yeah. Like, yeah. On the yeah, ceiling. Nah, they like they at least smashed once. <laughs> See, I'm not mad. That's at what it. I'm getting at. This I'm like they're adults. Happened once, and y'all friends mm-hmm. like Seinfeld and Elaine, um, and things happen in and out of that relationship. I'm not mad at it. I think that there is. It's a something Seinfeld great. and Elaine situation. That's what it, yeah. that's what I get out of it. It's like oh y'all close, but like at one point y'all didn't know how close, and still don't. I think a lot of interesting conversations when it comes to male female platonic relationships in this show that is allowed because of her scenario and i've i'm always curious about what other people read between some of these relationships yeah. whatever happened everyone in the murphy brown universe is messy oh they're yeah all, oh they're yes. all very messy. oh so they're messy all so messy i and we also we meet murphy after she's treated for alcoholism yeah, so, so like we don't even what she know, was like. We don't even know what she was up to prior. Yeah. They are messy people, and they do not think they are messy. Exactly. Oh, no. They think they're very put together. That's what this whole episode is about. It's like, mm-hmm. Tony Rocket is messy, openly messy, mm-hmm. openly offensive. And that makes them all uncomfortable. Yeah, because they are messy, and they do not see their mess. So I have a question. Did either of you come up with what you think he painted? Because I have an idea. Okay, go ahead. All I could think of was Leslie Nope being painted as the goddess Diathena by Jim in Parks and Recreation, where he was thinking of like a beautiful inspirational goddess and painted her as this topless centaur woman. And I'm just imagine she walked in and he talks about how he's never heard her this way and what it like all this. He was so inspired by her that he painted her as like a probably naked goddess on the So that, that's what made her scream was that it, she saw yeah. a naked version of herself. It wasn't the savings and loan scandal. Because he's no, done that. No, I think that he like m- painted an ode to her. That that was what I had in my head. Uh, but that, that naked, like that. but she, the goddess is victoriously standing over the headless hydra yes. of Tony yes. Rocket. Like, oh. You know, like. <laughs> His little Lego body with multiple heads. Or like right. a Phaedra thing with just like yeah. coming in with the, with right. the head. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I and thought naked. it was. And naked. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's like, eh, and she screams. I'm like, yeah, it's got to be. Because he would know what her body looks like. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I love it. Yeah. I like to imagine that she has, like, a dinner party the next night. You know, and now <laughs> no one can go in the kitchen because Don't her naked up. body is... <laughs> I mean, it is, a, it is a guttural scream. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. Nah. Candace Bergen is very good at screaming and bad singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Nah. That's my headcanon of the show that y'all introduced me to. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with it. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I don't have enough imagination right now to think of anything, but I, I do love it. I was trying to think of what was going on in the news, but and I'm sure he's fast enough to be like, I saw her on TV. I think she'll really appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to make it about that because this must be like sh- how she's always like. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't yeah. know. 
she's a goddess now. Like he just sees her different. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. he ever watches the show ever again. So for him, nope. that's the way she is. No, nah, this was the most intimate they've been. Yeah. Even though they've been mm-hmm. intimate, him seeing her actually work and seeing mm-hmm. that side of her is it's too much for Murphy Brown. And that's why I have a scream. I also do love his delivery. He kind of chucks he's like, what a mouth on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's so impressed. Uh, and turn Robert Pastorelli. Yeah. I love Robert Pastorelli. We love him. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. All right. Well, um, this has been so fun. So fun. It has. It's crazy turns that none of us expected to happen. Twists, turns, cities in New Jersey. Who knew? Insane. When you said you were from New Jersey, I was like, oh, I got to ask where he's from. Yeah, no, this is weird. That was weird. That was, was, was really weird. weird. It's very it's weird. really weird. Yeah. Like, so weird. I'm like, am I from Scotch Plains, New Jersey? And now I am. <laughs> Are you from Scotch Plains? Like, yeah, no, it's weird. It's very yeah. weird. Scotch Plains but, is like a town I don't think anybody is ever from. So. No, exactly. I And Eight. even when I mentioned it, people kind of were like, I've never really heard of it. You already had Mark Shaman, y'all. I, no one is from where I'm from. I'm from the town of the world's largest ox cart. It's like, proud to be from New Jersey. Happy to get out. Yeah, exactly. That's the that and that is the 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 moral of this Murphy Murphy Brown episode. Yeah, Derek, where can people find you on your amazing social media? Because you have a great social media presence. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you can find me at Tarek R Davis on both Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. You post fantastic TikToks of a lot of 80s pop culture that I love asking the important questions like <laughs> what is the story behind the Kool-Aid man which really we all need to discuss yeah no that's a that that is a creepy rabbit hole but if you are brave enough please join me on that journey <laughs> I would say I am all for any social media that connects Neverending Story and Labyrinth because that's what my heart is doing every no, single day. Perfect. Yeah, someone did that. Uh, yeah, watch the space. I'll be talking about that thread of um, movies that exist in a separate universe later today. Yes, sweet. This has been a pleasure, you guys. Thank you Same so much here. for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs>